0: America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October classic. Greg faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here
1: is GP.
2: My party people, the MLB season will be decided in Houston. Welcome in to the vivid seat studios from MLB overtime betting. Greg Peterson, Coming at you with another great podcast and one of our good buddies, Curtis Rogers with 710 ESPN in the terrific city of Seattle. Going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to have reaction from Game 4. We're going to be taking a look forward to Game 5 and the rest of the series in general. Curtis won the best in the business. In the final segment, I do give you a side in total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, which, of course, is one game in something I like to call touch-em-all. First things first, to get a Twitter question into the mailbag, as always, feel free to fire these in at gunnrs One and send them into the timeline, because if you send them into the DMs, it's going to be much like... Taking a team like the Chicago Cubs to win the World Series in 2019, just not going to go well for you. Meanwhile, if you send it into the timeline, it's going to be like having the Washington Nationals win the NL pennant. And gosh darn it, they've already done it. So let's get into it.
0: So you have questions and Greg may or may not
2: have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Got this one from Tyler at Tyler underscore P and Tyler instead of the L uses the number one at GNR square One. Do you use any statistical modeling to simulate games and use those predictions for your picks? Now, in some of these sports, I use power ratings and everything like that. And obviously, I'm trying to take a look at the score that I personally project have in a baseball game, what percentage of the time someone like a Mad Max Scherzer wins against Garrett Cole and things like that. But I don't have like any sort of a software or anything like that. It's not like I'm running these things through a spreadsheet, putting it through and being like, oh, 10,000 times, the Washington Nationals win this game 571 times or anything like that, which obviously would be very, very low. But it is one of these situations where I do look at it. I do sort of have a number in my head sitting here like, okay, Max Scherzer against Garrett Cole. I think he wins this game about... 40% of the time and then I make my number on what number I'd be willing to lay with the Nationals or with the Houston Astros from there. So it is one of these situations where I certainly am taking a look at a variety of different things. It's just not something where I've got like a software or database where I'm shooting out numbers like that. A lot of this is just my own handicapping and I've always said this on this podcast always trust in your own handicapping whether you're running numbers through a spreadsheet whether you're taking a look at the action, whether you're just taking a look at a variety of different sets like I do as well. It's one of these situations where you should just make the bet that you're comfortable with and find the system that works best for you in order to be able to get to the window so that is my best advice to you guys. That is what I have to say about statistical modeling and everything like that and something we don't need a statistical model for is games that are already completed as we know what happens Happened in Game Four of the World Series, so let's take a look back at it and try to use that information to preview forward as to what is going to happen the rest of this very, very wild and crazy World Series. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. And if you want to watch one of these World Series games live and in person, you're able to do so with our good buddies at Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats has all the tickets you need for every sporting event, whether it be baseball, now during the World Series, or during the regular season. College football, the NFL, college basketball is on the way. They've got tickets to every venue from Cameron Indoor and the Dean Dome all the way to the mid-major stadiums and things of that nature. And let's say that you're not necessarily one that wants to go to a bunch of live sporting events. You're more of a concert goer. You'd like to go to various little events like that. Vivid Seats as you covered there. And you're able to save up to $100 off of all of it with the promo code Overtime. That's all one word. O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you are able to get up to $100 off of all tickets if you're a first time user to the app. So a big thanks to Vivid Seats there. And a big thanks to the Houston Astros for making this a very interesting series, as once again, the first inning was very paramount in this game, as the Houston Astros were able to get a pair of runs in the first inning to really set the tone, and legitimately, little did we know that they wouldn't need anything more from there, but they certainly got it, and that was in the form of a grand slam towards the middle of the game, as it was Alex Bregman, a man that has really struggled this postseason. He gets a grand slam off of none other than Fernandez. Oh, no, Rodney in the seventh inning. That was his second of the World Series. He also went yard off of Steven Strasburg in game two. So, obviously, that was absolutely monstrous. And for the Washington Nationals, in their two games in the great city of Washington, D.C., well, they haven't been doing a lot to drive men on base. In these two games... They have left a grand total of 21 men on base. They have went one for 19 with men in scoring position. The lone run that they were able to get in this game was when they had the bases loaded in the sixth inning. It was a sacrifice ground out by Juan Soto. And now we're seeing some of the guys in this lineup. They're starting to wilter a little bit. Anthony Rendon was able to get two hits in this game. So that was nice for the team as he had been struggling a little bit. But Trey Turner now hitting below the Mendoza line for the series, which is 200. Victor Robles has come back to earth a little bit. If you take a look at it, Jan Gomes actually had a nice extra base hit for this team, but guys have been struggling a little bit. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, top lineup is starting to come through. George Springer now only hitting a 250 for the World Series, but Jose Altuve is hitting 400. Michael Brantley, a 471, Yuli Gurriel, a 278. Robinson Torinos has been coming up big in these most recent couple games. He had a home run for the second straight game, his second of the World Series. So by and large, the Astros are getting the job done, and... The MVP award of this game has to go to Jose Urquidy. I know that the Grand Slam by Alex Bregman is a highlight, but Urquidy was expected to only go about two or three innings in this one. He goes five innings, giving up two hits. Don't think that anyone saw that coming from him. He did a great job of preserving a bullpen that... Didn't get that many innings out of Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke went four and two-thirds innings in game three. So, Urquidy going that many in game four puts him in a good spot as it's going to be Garrett Cole against Mad Max Scherzer in game five. So, that is going to be highly interesting as you take a look at it now. Favorites in this World Series are one and three. As the Nationals were, for the most part, the closing favorite in this one. It varied by the book that you took a look at as the Nationals opened up as a favorite. Money came in on the... Houston Astros, and if you take a look at overs in the World Series as well, three overs to one under, so I find that very intriguing, and a man that's going to help me break down what we're going to see in Game 5 and the rest of the World Series in general and react a little bit more to this Game 4 is Curtis Rogers, a 710 ESPN, and that is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Though he is not coming on the podcast today, as you guys know, one of our favorite guests, on this podcast has been our man Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. He has done a terrific job all year long of joining me right here on the podcast. And he is a man that works for CBS. And CBS HQ is a place that you want to go if you want to get some good old fashioned sports talk. No hot takes. Not a bunch of guys are just flapping their gums, saying nothing. CBS Sports HQ is always focused on coverage of the game. They do a great job of giving you the information that you need to get a little bit of a betting edge. When it comes to NFL, they give you fantasy advice as well and breaking news as it happens. And with CBS Sports HQ, they also do a great job of lending tips and trends for your bets. And the best part of all is that the cost of it, $3.99, $99, $0.00, $3.99, $99, $0.00, 0 cents. and it's not just for a day, it's not just for a week, it's not just if you click on 57 links or anything like that, it is free all the time. All you need to do is download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or any other connected device. And you're able to watch CBS Sports HQ at any time. And CBS Sports HQ has no fake debates, just real sports for real sports fans. And that is completely free. So download CBS Sports HQ today.
0: Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia hotline.
2: We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid T studios out here in Las Vegas. We've got one of our favorites on the podcast. This man does pre and post game work for the Seattle Mariners out there in the great city of Seattle. 710 ESPN is where he works. He also does the Seattle Sports Site podcast, which you can find most likely in every platform that you find this fine podcast. And this man's Twitter candle is one of the best in the business and a kid from Kent because he is from Kent, Washington as Curtis Rogers, one of the most knowledgeable MLB guys I know is joining me on the podcast and man that I had the great pleasure of working with back when I was in Portland, Oregon a few years ago. Curtis, how are you doing on this fine day?
1: I'm doing good, certainly doing better than the Nationals bullpen, specifically Fernando Rodney after uh, his Game 4 meltdown, inheriting a bases-loaded situation and promptly giving up a grand slam to Alex Bregman. As someone that watched a couple of years of Fernando Rodney in person, what he did is not a surprise at all to me, but I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. But uh, yeah, he's put the Nationals in a very sticky situation as They had looked to have complete control heading back home for, you know, three games, but all of a sudden Houston tying it up with a very decisive game five coming our way Sunday night. It is anybody's series at this point.
2: Oh, absolutely. And all the people I listen to this podcast know that Fernando Rodney is not known as Fernando Rodney on this podcast. He's known as Fernand. Oh, no, Rodney, because that's exactly (laughs) what you're saying. If you have a bet on the Nationals, like, I did yesterday, but that is beside the point. And something else that's went really bad for the Washington Nationals is the fact that they're just not hitting with men in scoring position. From the first inning of Game 3 until, I would say, the eighth inning of Game 4, this is a team that went 1-for-16 with men in scoring position. It felt like they were stranding the world on base. They stranded a total of 18 men on base in that time. Just not going well for the Washington Nationals in clutch spots, a lot much like what we saw with the Houston
1: Astros in games one and two. Yeah, it's very interesting how these two teams have swapped just the roles that they've played. The Nationals in games one and two came up with clutch hit after clutch hit and really kept Houston's bats silent through those first two games in big-time clutch situations. And then in Game 3 and and 4, you had Zach Granke only four and two-thirds innings pitched, but really keeping Washington under control, turning it over to the bullpen. And then in Game 4, Jose Urquidy, out of nowhere, giving Houston, what, five, six shutout innings. He looked really good, and I think it was Dave Schoenfeld of ESPN. He tweeted out in the middle of the game a box score that Urquidy had pitched Earlier in the season at the AAA level where he gave up like 11 runs in three innings for Round Rock, and it was like, yep, this is Game 4 starter of the World Series right here. This is the same guy. So to see him go from that in the Pacific Coast League to Saturday night against the Nationals, just the stark contrast of where he was at the beginning of the season to where he is right now. And the plan for Urquini in Game 4 was to only go, I think, two innings and then turn it over to the bullpen, but he continued to put up zeros, and A.J. Hinch was like, well, I'll just continue to ride his right arm, and sure enough, it paid off in a big way on Saturday night, and it's put the Astros in a very enviable position. They've regained home field advantage with three games at most remaining in this series, and The series will go back to Houston. Like it is guaranteed to have a game six here, which is a tremendous advantage for Houston. And then also, they get the advantage of having Garrett Cole going in game five. Obviously, game one didn't work out so great for Cole, but if there's one pitcher in baseball right now you want on the mound for you in any kind of situation, whether it be a random Tuesday night in the regular season or a decisive game five where you're going to get an advantage in the series if you win it, Garrett Cole. Probably gets that pick more times than just about anybody in all of baseball.
2: I totally agree with you. As we've got Curtis Rogers of Seventeen ESPN in Seattle joining me right here on the podcast, and I am right there with you with regards to Jose Urquidy. Him going five innings and giving up two hits and only sixty-seven pitches, might I add, just massive foul money for the Houston Astros. I like this kid's upside, obviously. I thought that him giving up 11 runs at the AAA level in that one start wasn't necessarily him. I also didn't necessarily think that him giving up a big old goose egg in five innings of the game four is him either. I do think that there is some upside there. And because he was able to go so strong, it actually sets up the Houston Astros very well for game five as well. Because you got to think that Garrett Cole is going to be able to deliver his strong innings. And you mentioned the fact that Zach Greinke was unable to get out of the fifth. So you expected that in the bullpen game, the bullpen was going to be a little bit depleted, but because the gave the team an extra two to three innings, that puts them right back on track for game five. If say Garrett Cole goes seven innings, you need someone like a Roberto Azuna to close out the game.
1: Yeah, it was a tremendous lift that he gave Houston and certainly one that they weren't expecting. And, this time of year, if you can get those kinds of surprise performances out of people you wouldn't expect, I mean, you're going to take that a hundred times out of a hundred. And just looking at the Astros' rotation, how it shapes up, Garrett Cole is going to get the start in Game Five. Justin Verlander is probably going in Game Six, and because Zach Greinke wasn't used a ton in Game Three, I would expect he would get the Game Seven start if that were the case. So you've got your three best pitchers. Ready to go in the three biggest games of your season. Now the Nationals also they have their two top pitchers ready to go. For Sunday it's going to be Max Scherzer getting the start opposite of Garrett Cole in Game Five, and then Steven Strasburg in, in Game Six will likely get the start for Washington. So we're going to see some great pitching matchups over the next two days. But for Houston to be in this situation with their three best starters going in three games consecutively. With two of those being at home in a place where we've seen this season, it's not easy for teams to walk into Minute Maid Park and come away with a victory, although we did see it in games one and two with Washington going in there. But Houston right now, they have really reset everything we have thought of in this series with these two just decisive wins in game three and game four. I said it on this very podcast here at the beginning of the series, I thought Washington was going to win the series. and. I thought I was looking good after Game 2, especially with how much of a blowout Game 2 was in favor of Washington. But right now, Houston has just flipped a switch and has just really, really regained everything that they had lost after Game 2.
2: Absolutely. As we do have Curtis Rogers joining me right here on the podcast, I think that it is so intriguing that the first four games of the series have all went to the road team. That's the exact opposite of what you think of because... All year long, teams are trying to get home field advantage and everything like that. And home field advantage, well, it has meant about as much as I don't even know why. That is just absolutely terrible. But you take a look at the Washington Nationals as well. Though, obviously, game four did not go their way. You got to give them credit. They used up their untrustworthy bullpen arms. Tanner Rainey, Fernand Oh No, Rodney, Wander, I swear oh, this guy sucks. And Javi Garrett came out of the bullpen for the Washington Nationals. That sets you up with Sean Doolittle and Danny Hudson, both guys that can give you a little bit more than an inning. So let's say Max Scherzer is able to give you right around six or seven strong. You're able to rely upon now your top two bullpen arms as well, which makes me think that with the Houston Astros being back on all cylinders with Jose Uriquiti giving them a good lift, that we're going to see a very low-scoring game in Game 5, unlike what we saw in Game 4 where the Houston Astros were just able to put up that 8 spot.
1: Yeah, I think Game 5 is setting up to be much more of a close game. I think it's going to be along the lines of Game 1, where it was back and forth. You had the Astros jumping out to an early lead, which is something Houston has done. Pretty much every game in this series, they've gotten out to an early lead or have you know gotten runs early in the game. I think it was Game 1, they scored 2 in their first inning. Game Number 2, they also scored 2 in the first. Game 3, they were the first team to score in the second inning. And then in game four, they played a two against Patrick Corbin. So they've been able to get their offense going early. We've seen them able to sustain it a little more in games three and game four. But like you said, Scherzer or Garrett Cole in game five, I look at that one. I think the first team to probably three runs gets the victory in game five just because of how dominant both of those guys can be. You know, you've got the two most recent 300 strikeout guys in baseball. There are going to be a lot of missed bats in Game 5. You know, you couldn't ask for a better pitching matchup in this situation. I'm going to be locked in from first pitch to the final out. It's going to be a good one. And like you said, the bullpen situations for each team, if it comes down to it, I think Houston's in a much better situation because of Urquidy being able to give them, you know, those surprise three extra innings, which means that's three innings of rest for you know the Ryan Presley's Will Harris was used in game 4 but you didn't have to use him I guess in an extended situation Roberto Osuna also their bullpen right now is in a much better situation than Washington's because you know Washington's had to mop it up the last two games and and right now you really need guys who can get you further into the ball game and Washington's bullpen as we know is is among the most unreliable in baseball You mentioned all their guys, Rodney and Rainey and whatnot. If you're going to try and rely on these guys in sort of a bullpen day fashion, it's not going to go so well. So Washington desperately needing, I think, at least seven innings for Max Scherzer on Sunday night if they're going to have any shot at keeping Houston's offense at bay.
2: No question, as we've got Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN in Seattle trying to be right here on the podcast. And I thought you brought up a very good point a minute ago in that we've seen so many of these games from not just the Houston Astros, but in the postseason in general, be decided very early. The Houston Astros were able to decide games four and five of their series against the Tampa Bay Rays with first inning runs because Justin Verlander gave up a bunch in game four early. And then in Game 5, they were able to jump all over Tyler Glasnow. We all remember Game 5 of the ALCS. They wind up giving up four runs. They score one themselves. And then the game from there dies. The Washington Nationals on the flip side when they close out their series against the St. Louis Cardinals. They had all their runs scored with one out in the bottom of the first inning. So I do think that this is a situation in which getting out to that early lead and the first inning in general is going to be so paramount in this series because we've seen both Max Scherzer and then the probable game 6 starter Justin Verlander when these guys have struggled it's been in the first inning
1: it has and Verlander is a guy who you'd assume would be nails in the postseason and in his career he has never won a world series game he's only five yeah i think he's got near above 5 Yeah, dating back to his days in Detroit, he just has not been as money in the World Series as he has been at any other point in the postseason. And this is a guy who is a surefire lock for the Hall of Fame one day. We always talk about how Clayton Kershaw is a guy who's struggled in the postseason. Well, Justin Verlander's no great shakes either, and he's going to get the start in Game 6 when there's going to be even more on the line than there is in Game 5. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But going up... Against either Cole or Scherzer. If you can get an early lead, it makes the other team's deficit feel that much steeper because of who they're facing. A one run deficit with, say, you know, Chris Davinsky on the mound, Houston's relief pitcher. You feel much more confident in that situation down one against him than you do down one against Garrett Cole. That one run lead feels like a 10 run lead because just to be able to get one base runner an inning off of that guy. It's just something that doesn't happen a lot. Cole had a whip this season well under one throughout the entire season. I mean, he just did not surrender hardly any base runners at all. And so if you can get out to just a one-run lead with either one of these guys out there on the mound, that's going to Really be just a, a tremendous blow to the other team's confidence. And I think it's going to be a very important key to watch for in game five on Sunday night.
2: And I think another big key to the series as well is the fact that Alex Bregman is finally online for the Astros. Now, he did have that home run in game two off of Steven Strasburg, but by and large, he had been struggling early on in this series. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, he winds up being able to get three hits for the team, including that grand slam. I guess it was Fernando oh no, Rodney that got his confidence online, but I think that this is just a completely different Houston Astros team with him firing all cylinders. I think that it could be
1: a series changer. It really could be. And Bregman is the kind of bat that every team would kill to have. And you know, he's an MVP candidate this season. I still think Mike Trout is gonna be the MVP in the American League, even though he didn't play the last couple of weeks of the season. But Alex Bregman is a bat that the Astros have so desperately needed to get going. In this postseason, we haven't really seen Houston look like their regular season selves at any point in this playoff run, except for in games three and four. Those have been the two games, I think, that I point to and say, yeah, that's the Houston Astros team that I recognize from the regular season, because they have controlled every single pitch, every single out, every single at-bat that they've been a part of from the time that they landed in Washington, D.C., till the final out of Game 4. We still don't know what Game 5 has in store for them, but if 3-4 and are any sort of indication of what they're capable of doing, Houston is on the verge of regaining control in this series and really putting Washington in a tight spot. Now, Washington, they've been in tight spots before this postseason. They were, what, five outs away from elimination against the Brewers. They were six outs away from elimination against the Dodgers. They stave those off. So, I mean, the Nationals are a team that, you know, has thrived in adverse situations. Doesn't get more adverse than trailing in the World Series. But right now, they have not had that opportunity. And I think they're, they're really hoping that they don't get that opportunity. Game five, the importance of it. I can't remember a game. Probably the 2016 World Series was the last time we've had a game in the World Series sort of teeter as much as this, maybe game seven. Although the Dodgers Astros World Series in 2017, they had a couple of moments as well. But I feel like whoever wins game five is probably going to win the series.
2: I would have to agree with you there. The momentum in this series has really shifted and it's up to the Nationals to be able to get it back with Mad Max Scherzer. It's up to the Astros to be able to capitalize with their ace Garrett Cole on the mound. And our ace here on MLB overtime betting all year long has been Curtis Rogers. You always do a great job whenever you come on this podcast. I'd like to close that up with this. Let the good people at home know where they can get a little bit more of your work, where they can download all the great podcasts that you do, and also follow you on Twitter, which I know that your Twitter handle is one of the best in the business at a kid from Kent.
1: Yeah, you can follow me there on Twitter, or Instagram. You can also download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast. That's where you can find me. Also uh, contributing to the John Clayton show Monday through Friday, 10 to noon, Pacific time. So that's where you can find me throughout the week and also every now and then here with Greg.
2: Absolutely, and I think we're going to need to get this man on College Hoops Overtime Betting as well when that starts up, a big Arizona fan that is locked into the Pac-12 as well. So a big thanks to Curtis Rogers for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast in which I give you a side and total on Game 5 of the World Series and something I like to call touch of Ball.
0: back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it.
2: And Curtis Rogers delivers once again, much like Alex Bregman did against Fernand, oh no, Rodney, in Game 4 of the World Series. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting as we're back here in the Vivid Seats studios. And now it is that time the podcast in which I give you a side and total in Game 5 of the World Series in something I like to call touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: And if you're looking to bet this game and every game for the rest of the MLB season, which at minimum is two, at maximum is a three, and maybe you're getting a little bit sick of betting baseball. You want to dive more into the realm of the NFL. Don't look now, but college basketball is a week and a half away, so college hoops overtime. The betting edition is going to be getting going on a daily basis pretty soon there. And let's say that maybe you don't like the pre-flop number that's coming out in this Astros versus Nationals game for Game Five. You'd rather bet it in game. You are able to do all of that at my bookie. They've got a very diverse menu, including being able to bet on the amount of fantasy points a player is going to. Put up on an NFL Sunday as well. And if you go to mybookie.ag and use the special promo code Overtime, that's all one word O V E R T I M E, you are able to get your first deposit doubled dollar for dollar up to $1,000. And the reason why is because MyBookie is the place where you play. You win and boom, you go yard as you get paid and that money goes right into your bankroll and hopefully I'll be helping you extend that bankroll with these plays as it is, 9-0-9, 9-10 on the bank rotation. Game five of the World Series is Washington Nationals. Playoffs, the East and Astros. Gary Cole goes for the Strohs. Meanwhile, Mad Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals. Total we're seeing as this is coming out in about five of the 10 Vegas books. You got to think that there's going to be more numbers in the morning, but right now I'm seeing a total of seven. under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 on the juice over anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110 if you're taking a look at the Houston Astros laying anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155 we're actually seeing a little bit of money coming in on the Nationals right now meanwhile plus price on the Nationals anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145 You certainly do have two tremendous pitchers. Now, Matt Max Scherzer winds up giving up two runs in the first inning of World Series Game One, but he was really able to calm down and hunker down from there. I believe that over his last 25 innings in the World Series, he's given up three earned runs. That was essentially the time in which he had given up three earned runs to the Milwaukee Brewers. After that, he really had settled down. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole is a man that has given up more than two earned runs. In three out of his last 25 starts, that dates all the way back to June. Obviously, he got roughed up in his start in Game 1 of the World Series. He winds up giving up a five-spot there, and that was just the second time in his Houston Astros career that he had given up more than four earned runs. This is a man that was the second quickest in baseball this millennium to get to 300 strikeouts with regards to innings pitch. The only player to do so since 2000 in fewer innings was Randy Johnson, so certainly has that going for him. Garrett Cole has been reliable at home. He's been reliable on the road. If you put this guy on planet Mars, I think that he'd be reliable there, so you certainly have that. And for the Washington Nationals, though they had to use up a lot of bullpen arms, as I was mentioning with Curtis Rogers, they didn't use up any good bullpen arms. Javi Guerra, Wander, I swear this guy sucks, Fernand, oh no, Rodney and Tanner, it's raining runs and walks were the guys that came in relief for Patrick Corbin. That means you're able to rely upon Sean Doolittle and Danny Hudson if you need an inning and a half, maybe even two innings out of each of those guys. So that is going to be big. And then for the Houston Astros, you've got guys like Roberto Azuna and company that are out there in the bullpen for this team as well. So I certainly do think that it's going to be lower scoring, but I think that the emergence of Alex Bregman, absolutely huge for the Astros. He got three hits in five RBI yesterday. He also was able to get a home run off of Steven Strasburg. He certainly is doing his job. And then you got Perhaps the two hottest bats in this postseason, not named Bregman, as well in Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley. Brantley's hitting 4.71 for the series. Jose Altuve 400. George Springer has had some nice home runs in the series, and Robinson Chirinos hitting 3.64 for the series. He's got a home run in back-to-back games. Meanwhile, for the Nationals, this is a team that you got to think is going to be doing a little bit of a better job of hitting with men in scoring position. Over the last two games, they have left 21 men on base, and they have went one for 19 with men in scoring position. In the last two games. Now, the issue is, against Garrett Cole, you're probably not going to have as many of those opportunities as they've had Azribo Cabrera coming in as a pinch hitter. And he's done a solid job this series. He's hitting a 385. You've also got Adam Eaton, who's been doing a nice job. He went 0-3 yesterday, but he's hitting a 400. What was big for this team as well, and you didn't have too many bright spots for the Nationals in Game 4, but Anthony Rendon was hitting below 200 for the World Series going into Game 4. He was able to get two hits yesterday. That is nice, but you need a little bit more out of these guys in crunch time, especially Howie Kendrick, who's right now hitting .214 for the World Series. He's really been one of the linchpins of this team during this postseason run. A run in which the Nationals were on an 18-2 stretch dating back to the end of the regular season. Going into these last two games, they have now lost each of their last two during the regular season. This is a team that was 50-32 at home, so you certainly have A lot of things playing in for both teams, but I think that this is a spot where you got to take a look at Garrett Cole. If you bet $100 against Garrett Cole over his last 17 starts, well, you've went to the window once. That was when the Washington Nationals were about a plus 180-ish underdog against Garrett Cole. Maybe you got a plus 190. Maybe you got a plus 170. But by and large, if you bet him against Garrett Cole in each of his last 17 starts, well, it has not went well for you as you are down right around $1,410. So it's one of these situations where I do think that Gary is going to be able to pull it out in a lower scoring game. I think that he goes seven strong and I think that Mad Maxers are going to be able to have a good performance here as well. And you just take a look at the setting in general. Balls are not flying out of the yard in Washington D.C. the same way that they would at the juice box minute made field. So for that reason, going to be taking this total under and I've already locked in the under. I'm starting to see the juice coming in on the under because this opened up at right around a 7 flat in most spots. Now we're seeing that juice come down to minus 115. Meanwhile, I'm seeing a little bit of money starting to come in on the Washington Nationals. So I'm going to hold off. I'm betting the Astros money line but I'm going to be betting both of those says that will do it for the Sunday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Curtis Rogers for not just joining me today, but joining me all season long. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Ever you have a question for the podcast, feel free to fire it into the timeline at GNRS41. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. And thanks to the Astros being able to win game four. We are guaranteed a game six, so a little bit more MLB overtime betting coming into your lives. Thank you so much for tuning in.